Namotasa Bhagavato Ramato Sammasam Buddhasa Namotasa Bhagavato Ramato Sammasam Buddhasa Namotasa Bhagavato Ramato Sammasam Buddhasa Uttam Dhammam Sangam Sami So continuing is uh, really the aim is to reduce and uh, remove the causes of suffering and stress. So continuing practice path and this is this is the real moves the chitta makes has to make. So saying she doesn't really move in terms of time. That is. One can spend many years more is stuck in the same place in terms of chitta than you probably would recognize you know, in real terms, in real felt terms. You know, a little bit of change of surface, but same sort of habits, inclinations, unresolved issues, tendencies. Real change, real movement of the chitta is not in terms of years ticking by but in terms of shifts and shift out of suffering and stress is the only step that inclines that way these are the, these are the big uh, changes and moves and so here's one of, the, one of the milestones the hindrances, the five hindrances and their alleviation and the release from them and this is uh, one way of expressing it the other way of expressing it is uh, the development of samadhi, the two are synonymous. So the elimination of the five hindrances, skillful, appropriate, careful and embodied uh, release from those, what state of mind do you think is going to be there? What do you think that will be when there's no uh, ill will or fear of ill will? Not only the gross forms, directly hating people, directly hating something, but even the more latent forms, a certain aggressiveness, because we're ready to push against an obstacle. What if that wasn't there? What if there wasn't not just apparent being disliked, but the, the defensiveness, the fearfulness, the anxiety, which is a result of inferred hostility? I better do this, otherwise I will blame, hurt, scorn, despise, cast out, rejected. So that's anxiety is is your world. What would be like if that wasn't there? 
way to distill these these potencies, these qualities out of the numerous concerns and uh, dissonances that occur in our life. Getting down to root anxiety. Fear means fear means something nasty could happen to me. That's we call that inferred ill will. What would it be like if that wasn't there? Not their suffering, but just also looking at it another way, wouldn't the mind feel rather more easeful, uh, boundless, less jumpy, less pushy? Wouldn't the energy be sort of more smooth and steady? Would that be what samadhi is like? Something like that? What about the craving, the need to have something to eat, taste, see, touch, read, think, you know? occupy oneself with, feed on. What if that wasn't there? Not because I was starving and malnourished, because I was satisfied. What would that feel like? There's no jealousy of what somebody else has because you've got enough. What would that feel like? Wouldn't that ease of energy, that sense of fullness, wouldn't there be a fullness there, would that be what samadhi is like? What if the mind wasn't uh, torpid, lethargic, unwilling, like an elephant bogged down in mud, (laughs) unwilling to move, can't be bothered, too much effort, what if it was just buoyant and willing? Dexterous, what would that be like? Would that be what Samadhi is like? Something like that? Would that property be there? Hmm? Or if one wasn't uh, restless, planning, figuring out this, that, and the other, jumping from here to there, always moving to the next before this thing has happened, always preparing for the next thing. But even before this quality of experience now has subsided, what if that wasn't there? Wouldn't your energy be a lot steadier and smoother and more open and spacious? Would that be what Samadhi's like? What if instead of trying to figure it out and being terribly frightened of getting it wrong and always wondering which is the right way and the wrong way? What if I was just in flow, sensing it as it happens, in touch with it? Wouldn't that be what? Wouldn't that be pleasant, agreeable? Could that be what samadhi is like? And say, well, yes, it is. All of that. So we look at the removal as our practice, and see what's left. Because certainly, whatever you know, samadhi is or isn't, we definitely know what the hindrances are. Imagine by now, and we don't like them, <laughs> and they definitely snag life. So get rid of those, eliminate those, or whatever you need to do, however you want to word it, uh, and just rest in what remains, <laughs> and you can call it what you like. But to be uh, clear, just the, that uh, the remove of these is not just by planting something else in there. So that's that's the 
thing you know, is it possible to not be you know uh, uh, having to do something to keep fending off ill will perhaps giving oneself pep talks or to, to get rid of anxiety or scream oneself in or you know make sure everything's sealed up around one and nobody can see me to not have anxiety what if we just be open without being anxious or uh, yeah and uh, uh, yeah. and the real test is what if people are expressing ill will towards you and you still don't feel fearful and anxious you just think oh this person seems to be experiencing ill will <laughs> the way that people do uh-huh. how sad <laughs> rather than you know taking it personally <laughs> that would be the test wouldn't it <laughs> so that happened to come to parry the shield the counter attack yeah but you did this yeah. <laughs> without having to do that yeah. and just acknowledging his ex- that experience mm. and feeling perception passes I'm grounded I don't need that I'm here yeah. mm. that would be really profound much more than these uh, other ways we have to to uh, uh, get free of the sting of these hindrances by building in uh, comforts and screens and defence strategies and uh, things that you feel more confident or more assured or more clear about where I'm going because I've got it planned out in micro detail. What if one could have that sense of freedom from doubt without having to have a whole load of uh, plans and structures and concepts to hold on to? So yeah, there are ways in which we deal with these fundamental problems, but the samadhi or the meditation way is is the thorough way, because this isn't through strategizing something to fend them off, it's through understanding them through experiencing them, inquiring into them, through waking up to them, and through waking up to one's centre, the ground, stability, and letting that deconstruct the hindrance, the, the energy of it, the activation of it, the grip of it, the weight of it, burden of it. Something that could melt those even as they start to arise until they don't arise, till they don't get in. It's like when the mind is warmed, the ice doesn't get in. First you have to melt a little bit. But then when the mind is fully warmed, ice doesn't get in. It's not because anything other than doesn't hate it or it just doesn't get in because the mind is developed the body is developed and it's said one is developed in mind and one is developed in body 
a phrase in which the, the Buddha expressed these two things, developed in mind and developed in body. What he meant, which of course you, know, you can consider yourself, but developed in terms of understanding, in ter- developed in terms of embodiment, energy, you know, basic presence, body, embodiment, and uh, clear awareness, mind. able to understand mind, one is able to directly feel body, directly feel the presence of that steadiness, that uh, easefulness. That's that's the embodiment aspect of it. One understands uh, this is this, it rose through this, it is of value, I need to care for and protect this what is developed in mind this has arisen through skillful conditions let me remember those conditions that generated or allowed me to enter this let me value this and this too has been generated for my welfare so this is a big shift and there are other shifts to make uh, this is not the end of the line by any, by any means, but it's certainly a major move that the jitta can make. So in here, we're really able to get a handle on experience and pin it and handle it and deconstruct what is uh, uh, harming us and hampering us, hindrances. So consider samadhi that way, and in the word you can use concentration comes up. Remember the words, um, but look more at the felt. Is referred to the felt experience, and how the mind, when those hindrances are abated, the mind would be pretty unified, not jumping around, not on an even state, not going from dullness to hyperactivity, not tight and defensive, not passionate and surging out. You could call that a concentrated state, I would say so. But I tend to use the term unified as an English word, partly because the way that um, people often use concentration in the world is something that occurs in the forehead and the eyes, certain gripping, focusing on crossword puzzle or or a piece of something abstract you concentrate on. So you hold it in your head and you concentrate on it that way. It's an abstract thing. Now living tissues that are responsive, I would suggest that doing that does not is not helpful. Have to be more concentrated from the heart, uh, deeply concerned, interested, focused from the heart, and significantly, of course, in the Asian traditions, uh, the what's called mind is sensed as in the centre of one's chest, not in one's head. You know, this really hurts my chitta. Tap the chest, whereas we would probably tap this skull. And this is a significant little piece, isn't it? 
concentrate your heart on something, set your heart on something, is rather different perhaps than concentrate your mind on something as a language thing. Set your heart on something. Hmm? Set your heart on freeing yourself from your will. Uh, feel it. Uh, release it. And also the qualities that are seen as um, the precursors of samadhi are um, viveka, or the ability to just step back, get things in perspective, you know, get out of the tangle, get less enmeshed. Uh, unskillful states and then itakavichara referring to something, directing your attention to something and then getting a feel for it vichara, sampling it feeling it, sensing it, how is this so more deeply bonding to experience and then two other factors piti uh, joyfulness, rapture certainly enthusiastic uh, emotional resonance and sukha ease, certain subtler emotion, but deeper, sustained quality contentment you might say, something like that those are heart qualities mm. and in some places, not throughout, but occasionally this other factor, one pointed is placed in there, but it's not even always there and this ek agata and we can take that quite literally to be like a, a small point that you focus on or you could say you only have one theme in mind. You know, say if you're one-pointed on liberation, it doesn't mean you're focusing on a pinhead. It means you're determined in one direction. Your intention is gathered into one sense, one attitude. So we use language a little, a little more heartfully and less academically it gives us a little more sense of something that um, is embodied and felt. Also, the way of developing or entering samadhi is, is through mindfulness. Uh, it's considered to be the boundary or defining characteristic and bears things in mind. So I think I've mentioned that before. Uh, what, what is mind? The receptive, affective sense, jitta, the heart, you could say. Um, things are sensed, felt, resonated with. You, it refers, aha, uh-huh, this is happening to me, aha. Uh-huh. So there's very uh, uh, subjective, <coughs> placing something into one's subjective experience, feels like this. And more and more, to a greater and greater extent, referring to one's experience through that channel as a, as a way of being which retreat can offer us the opportunity to do in a, in a, a unbroken way feel how it is to sit down feel how it is to eat 
feel the appetites changing, feel how it is to walk fully. And replace, and using embodiment, replace the ideas or the superimposed um, notions we have about such a thing as walking with the actual experience. And this can take some doing. And I would suggest this may be an area that things like this need more than what is, is there in the suttas, because I think people, I'm pretty certain people were more embodied in those days, because they just had less abstraction to deal with. Uh, less futures, less wages, no insurance, no media, no words, it's all sense, direct sense experience. And uh, there's, a, there's a profound and over, overarching effect of the abstraction of our lives. So people don't walk in their bodies anymore. They walk in their heads. You know, that is, it's essentially walking is a sense of the eyes moving rapidly forward uh, with something happening underneath. And perhaps barely the eyes, just the eyes are looking out for opposite. The thought is moving forward with something happening underneath that deals with it. Yeah. And if you can get in a car, that's better. Then you can move forward faster. <laughs> Even less of you happening underneath, just hands on a steering wheel. So, you know, the body gets brushed, air brushed out of existence. You know, if you, you know, you live in any, any village society, particularly India even to this day, you know, people walk near their bodies, their bodies swing as they walk. You know, the back walks, the shoulders walk, the arms walk, the fingers walk, the belly walks, everything walks, because that's a body walking, that's what they do. Uh, you know, well, I notice, you know, if I walk around a town, I notice people, the backs don't walk. The backs are locked. Their arms are pinned. They don't, they don't walk, really. There's a scurrying with the legs, feet, click, 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 click. <laughs> and heads surging forwards. And it's kind of eerie. When I look, when I look, where am I? Mm-hmm. You know, where, where is anybody? Nobody's here. Everybody's going somewhere else. It's kind of eerie, like living in a ghost town, but with a million forms moving around you. So, well, you know, let's contemplate. So, as one thinks and conceives, so, so it becomes, because we have considered and understood walking to be an activity to get you from A to B through <coughs> moving your legs. That's what it becomes. And so our awareness only goes to those places, your eyes, to make sure you don't knock into something, and your feet to get them going. The rest of it disappears, not necessary. So all that spare space that you've created, you can use for thinking. And which is what happens. There's a big absence of body, so thinking fills up the space. 
till the extent the norm becomes a thinking experience moving along is the, is the, is the, is the benchmark for a person <laughs> a thinking experience thinking about the future you know moving along in something car, body, train and well, what's been lost? Presence, hearness, embodiment. And it takes some practice to 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 begin to loosen and relax and sense as you walk, sense your shoulders, sense your back, perhaps adjust your walking, forget about walking. Just start to learn to move, lifting the leg and swinging your hips and Till it, oh, that's it. It's rather like swimming on dry land. Consider reframe it like that. Like you see, a cat cats walk and swim, but do about the same thing. Your dogs similarly, and yet when we walk, we don't walk like swimming because we ignore the space. It's just the inconvenient bit between me and, and my gratification yeah. get over it, get through it so, no presence always future, no presence you walk in presence so it's another way for it, really walk in complete presence with where you are open to the sp- space get your body to inhabit that space fully the sides of your body your elbows yeah, your neck, your throat, your face, because it is there. I tell you, it's there. And feel it move as the body moves. All of it is sentient. All of it is alive. All of it is breathing. All of it is blood running through it. All of it's relevant. Yeah. It may not be doing much, but it's part of the whole thing. This is the unification of the body. So if we're, you know, talking in terms of unification, then a unified body, developed in terms of body, is part of that, maybe a big part of that. Because when you begin to experience unification of body, you have changed your mind. Your mind has changed to do that. It's become less narrow, less fixated, less fragile less isolated, less driven to the future, more contented, more, given more, something to sit in, something real, something you can feel. It's feeling things, not just thinking things. And it's feeling present, living things, not ideas, and worries, and cravings and fantasies experiencing real living things which is what you are right (laughs) what does that mean to be living feeling sentient sentitive things are cohesive you know things flow together everything is alive can we listen into that life force as it's operating in our bodies directly and move with that 
and stand in it and sit in it and lie down in it and run in it scratch in it roll on the floor in it you know, uh, you know all the positions the body can take and you think oh I'm beginning to sweep through it is it, is it one of those you know standard uh, themes but don't sweep through it like an accountant you know <laughs> here is eyebrow here is nose <laughs> check 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 <coughs> Sweep through it like someone grooming a horse, you know, with the brushes, just there, there, feeling the textures, the glossy, the firm, the soft, the bony, and then the long tail sweeping. Sweep through it like you're grooming a horse. You're still sweeping, but it's a felt sweep rather than an academic listing of things. Feel the sweep from the crown of your head, whatever you can feel. Yeah, you can feel the temples, the blood, the bones, the softness. Yeah. Yeah. Even bits you've forgotten about, like under, your, under your chin, the floor of the mouth, yeah. uh, around the back of your neck, mm-hmm. the collar. Yeah. Sweep from your jaw down to your fingertips like a long lateral sweep down the side of your neck across the top of the chest to where the arm joins the body draw down there to your fingertips the palm of your hand fingertips do it like grooming a horse keep brushing something feel the connections the living tissues the sentiency the warmth, the tingling, the vibrancy, everything is alive, connected. That's what living is. It's not abstract entities floating around in a conceptual void. It's something that is cohesive, vitalized, resonant. Respond, you know, treat it like that. Treat, treat your body like that rather than some visual thing that you judge or, or experience as being judged or categorize as some person or whatever type. And then we're coming to something, and then really, you know, something that's not just it's true, there is that. This also um, takes you into a deeper and more sensitive and heartful response to this experience, this embodied experience. And it's because this body is intelligent, it responds. It starts to sort of settle and feel comfortable, it responds to your attention starts to feel settled and comfortable, less agitated, less shut down. The numb bits start to open up. The tense bits start to release. And the two are synonymous. There's the tension, which is overactivity, too much energy, busting through the tissues, they overload them, so they lock up. It's like tension's really frozen, 
surplus energy. That's why you have it in your shoulders, in your neck. Because those bits have been the places where you constantly clamp and press has become a lifestyle. <coughs> so they, they lock up because there's too much energy in them. There's too much energy there, then what happens is other places don't have enough. They numb out. When was the last time you said hello to the small of your back? throat or you know, your forehead or you know places we've all oh right that bit so you know all the sides of the body flank the swell of breathing so definitely this this imbalances affect our breathing because the body's like you put it in a, a lock. Oh, you didn't decide to, but that's what happened. When you put something into a lock, it's like you twisted it into a lock, it can't breathe properly. <clears throat> and we might imagine, oh, breathing is just sort of sucking air in through your nose and blowing it out again, I suppose. You know, lungs and nose, you don't realise whole body has to breathe, otherwise it isn't really breathing. And your whole body breathes. Which means the whole body's torso swells, the uh, shoulders gently flex and release. You breathe in and you breathe out. Energies move through the face and the forehead and the temples the tingling of energy through the form that's breathing <coughs> and that's you know, so that becomes available once some of these imbalances have been addressed if you release the tensions the numb places will speak up because energy then starts to re distribute itself you know, a little bit of encouragement to question what's happening in my back or between my shoulders or the back of my neck or wherever, forearms what's happening, just a pointing there and being aware that so encouraging that energy to move through the whole form, so then you regain the body from the shut down fragments that uh, it may have become This is easeful because here then you're releasing some of the residues of ill will, which can be fear, anxiety, pressure, hurry up, get it done, otherwise you will fail. That's ill will. What does that do to you? It tightens you up, doesn't it? And where's that tightening go in your body? Where does the hurry up and get this because it doesn't really do you good? What happens to that? It's lurching. What is that? That's in your body too. 
coming up into your face, throwing yourself forward into things. That's that happens to your body too. So all these tendencies uh, have a bodily effect. And so this is how the body gets so unconducive. Therefore we have to, you know, sing, dance, jump around to get some energy back. And frankly, don't blame, don't blame you. Remember one fellow I knew used to, uh, you know, meditating for many years and always trying to focus on this one point and keep noting it. It's getting so tight. You know, his mind was shutting, shutting down with the numbing effect of tightening it all up all the time. I mentioned about his twentieth retreat. Something just said, "No, no, no, no." <laughs> it wouldn't do it. It wouldn't do it anymore. It said, "No." He went to the interview and just said, uh, "No." <laughs> you know, I don't want to do it. <laughs> and so, so confused because certainly, you know, all sounds good, mindfulness and attention, they are good. But you have to really not just use the word, but get the meaning. Not just the message, but the meaning. What is a body that you're mindful of? What is mindfulness? What is one-pointedness? What is collectedness? <coughs> and so this fellow decided he just really didn't know what he was doing, but he's got to get out of this. So he started doing, I think he started doing some stretching exercise, then he doing African dancing, just to get, get his body back. <laughs> so it was a sort of African dancing, pretty wild stuff, <laughs> really flinging everything around and loosening it up. You know, after doing that for a year or two, oh, you can oh, calm down again, just to get it, get his body back, and then, then it could, you know, meditation then changed. Now we don't have to go through that process, but um, it just gives you a sense of, of uh, you know, how the body gets lost. And also tri- trivialized because we meditation is all in the mind, and purity of mind, and moral intention, and loving kindness is in the mind, and uh, wisdom's in the mind, and uh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, it's in the mind. Where's the mind? Is it? Where is the mind? Is it out in some abstract space? No, it's in your body, isn't it? So yeah, morality's in the mind, but the mind's in the body, or refers to the body. So when you feel a sense of uh, violence, hatefulness, don't you get something happening in your body? And you feel a quality of sympathy and concern, doesn't something happen in your body? Hmm? Something. However, unless you're really, really closed down, and then you're not actually experiencing it anymore, are you? You're just thinking the word. Loving kindness to you and to you and to you. <laughs> there you go. 
Amen. But then also, if you go back to it, where did what, you look at these other factors that's jumping, you know, like joy. And, uh, and as it says in the Sutta, you know, when these five hindrances are abated, the delight, joy arises in the mind, such as when a man walking across a desert sees a lake, joy arises gets the lake and drinks the water, suffused with rapture and joy. You know, that's, that's erotic, isn't it? That's direct. And saying, this is, this is it. This is what the Buddha is saying. Not one part of one's body, entire body that's not permeated, suffused with a rapture and ease, born of Viveka. Definition of the first jhana. Well, body there, isn't it? So, now in terms of uh, pragmatics, uh, I would suggest something we probably would all benefit from, or you know, knowing knowing how we've been affected, just to be aware of the, the entire body. It may not seem very precise. Uh, but bear with it because until you get the entirety of the body then the body can't get balanced so if the body is fragmented into tense areas and numb areas if it is irregular energies jumping, tight, flaring and sagging dull and so forth then I, sh- I suggest, and I feel pretty confident in this, that your body is not balanced. And you can't balance it by focusing on the tight area or the numb area. They've got to connect. Then the energy will flow. Yeah, so if we have the energy, I would suggest, is the missing ingredient, the term vitality. And energy, that is the essence of things. When we have bright energy, we feel happy. When energy is rushing and pushy, we feel agitated. When it's brutal and hard, we feel aggressive. When it's contracted, we feel frightened. That's that's energy. It may have feeling associated with it. Pleasant feeling, unpleasant feeling. But the the direct experience (coughs) is an energy contracting, spinning, rushing, holding, as an energetic quality. And this is the energetic quality of Sankara, uh, which are not abstract, but direct felt experience, activations, formations, Kaya Sankara, bodily formations, or embodied, embodied formations. Um, so this is where, you know, it's mentioned there in the Mindfulness on Breathing Sutta, one steadies and calms the bodily formation, the Kaya Sankara. Now that which can be steadied, if it can be steadied, it's obviously something that has the capacity to move. If it's the capacity to move, it must have energy. You know, if you just 
deduce that. The stilling of sankara means something that's got the potential to jump around. Therefore it's an energy. Now can you feel energy? You know, behind the thoughts, what's firing them is energy. Behind the emotions, what's pushing them along is energy. Behind your impulses is energy. Behind your fear is energy. Behind your love is energy. Energy, energy, energy is the is the, the fundamental quality of experience. And if we take it in the bodily sense, energy, because it's dynamic, will flow and to get it to flow from one place to another, essentially you have to connect the two. And by and large, when there's unpleasant feelings, what tends to happen is we disconnect it, we try to resist it, shut it off, fence it off hold out against it. And when there's agreeable feeling, we tend to clutch around it. And when it's a focal point, we tend to form a fence around what we're focusing on. So let the focus be wide to include everything that you can experience in terms of body as you stand, sit, move. And just do the grooming, sweeping through, and just the kind of neutral way, just interested, here's the tangle, here's the rough, here's the don't feel very much, here's a very sensitive here, warm, tingly, prickly, whatever, just do the grooming of the whole thing. So by doing that you're kind of letting the different pieces know they all belong to each other, they're all connected. Yeah. You form the connections and form the connections steadily and lovingly and patiently and calmly and those connections will start to develop and then it's an intelligent system once it senses the connections it will start to enrich them it's like the blood vessels if you like the energy channels will start to open and connect to each other they do it by themselves because they're intelligent and uh, it's something that the body seeks Yeah. It seeks balance because it feels more comfortable that way. And as long as we trap it with our ideas of what it should be and could be and looks like and where it's got to go, we lock and we suppress the body intelligence with a series of programs that are manifestly confused and disappointingly stupid. For you know, you a dog wouldn't do what we do ourselves. And you probably wouldn't treat a dog like you treat. So, you know, so it's rather like you know. Then there's a one pointedness because the body has this one point is to to feel comfortable, feel steady and bear that in mind as your guiding influence. Practice with a mind based upon that sense of groundedness and steadiness. Make effort dependent upon the groundedness and steadiness. Don't extend beyond that. When you feel steady and grounded and comfortable, you will tend to sense a sense of a plenitude 
Yeah. And then something he wants to extend, to work out, to shift through some stuff. Yeah. So it's, it's an internally generated interest and motivation. And then bring your whole body into mind, form the connections. And as one thing, keep the breath in mind, keep breathing in mind. As, because that's the essential uh, life force uh, pump, you could say, a slow pump, that breathes through everything. Right? Just like the blood goes through everything, and the refreshing quality of vitality runs through everything, or should do, if it's not shut down. So the breathing will want to breathe through everything that you allow it to. And so that you have to tease out what the ideas we have about our body and just put that to one side. From the anatomical point of view, you don't breathe through your knees. You breathe through your nose. Energetically, of course you breathe through your knees. And your feet. And your fingertips. And your ears. All of it. But at the place where you're doing that, there's no ears anyway, and no knees. There's just earth, air, fire, water, space. You don't really have to even retain an anatomical map too closely. Whatever you can sense of body in terms of substantiality, hard, soft, semi-soft, whatever you can sense in terms of the body in terms of movement, whether you call it breathing or air, whatever you sense in terms of movement, whatever you sense in terms of caloricity, vitality, heat, warming, cool, shivery, flaring, whatever you sense in that, be with that, breathe with that, feel the rhythm and how of that in-out uh, movement shift of energy. And open to that, see what happens, won't do you any harm. And if it's for the relief of the hindrances, must do you good. Now one thing that um, perhaps, a, perhaps a lesser hindrance, but a very major hindrance, is boredom. Meditation in many ways is incredibly boring. <laughs> tedious or could be and does get that way same old thing winking thoughts same old thing pain in the knee same old thing (laughs) same old instructions breathe in breathe out And this is, uh, yeah, bear that in mind, because if you get bored with it, you're either going to keep doing it from blind willpower, or you're going to start finding ways to avoid doing it. Oh, tomorrow I will. I really must. I used to. (laughs) And next year I'm going to. (laughs) But right now I think I can ease back in this chair. Read this magazine, it's kind of nice. I deserve it. 
you know, whatever, you know, because it's not not enjoyable, basically. And how does it get? How does such a tedious thing get enjoyable? Because if you go to the energy of it, it's it's not as if it's sensory gratification, but it's not boring because your mind is alive with it. Your mind is alive with it, your mind is fresh with it because it's always fresh, always, there's always vitality. And boredom is really the absence of vitality. And the absence of vitality, uh, bodily vitality isn't there, <coughs> mental vitality isn't there. And the two again are equate to each other. So if you keep imagining your body as this fixed thing, sits down, same old me, sits down, same old back, sits down, same old thought, well that's boring. But if when it is it's moving in we're aware of the shifting, changing of these elements, and they're always flowing, fluid, and it's shifting and there's pausing. There's no real final body anyway. There's nothing's fixed, nothing is ever the same. There's a flowing thing like a river. And you can look at a river for hours. Look at the play, the flows, the, the, the shivers, the ripples, the sparkling. You can see the elements playing in the river. And your mind is there with it. Could your body be like that? In fact, in itself it is like that. At the energetic level of it, that's what it is. So it's not that it's so stimulating, it's just that it is naturally vital. And the mind picks up that vitality, our awareness picks up the vitality, and becomes exceptionally sensitive, poised alert, delicate, uh, it's not more. And of course there can be those occasional moments of realisation popping now and then. Oh, something shift. But even if things aren't shifting, big things shifting, still we're actually with something that's innately just present, shifting, moving, changing, and you're no more bored than a tightrope walker is bored, walking across that same old piece of string. You're <laughs> <laughs> not bored, <laughs> and I fall off, it's finely attuned, and this thing, naturally, is that, that sharpness, alertness, that again is what supports uh, samadhi and realization. Realization of the fundamental anicca, changing, flexing, inconstancy of true, of real experience. Anatta. Out, out of the image. There's no fixed entity here. 
And yet there's this. So the mind is then fresh, awakened, brightened, and to this extent, freed from the hindrances. So let's take some time for direct practice. Uh, bear in mind things of the whole body as much as you can, the, the grooming of the body, the attitude towards embodiment, slip out of the old box of what you imagine it is, what you see it is, uh, pay more attention to bits that you didn't think were relevant, try to walk as a hot as a unified thing, and uh, stay awake to it all. Treat it as something intelligent and sensitive, and it will respond in that way. Anamayang damakataya sadhikarang dramase sadhikarang